I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. If you want to go to the social media, Facebook and Twitter, oh yeah, we love that. Hashtag SGN and it's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. And, of course, we want you to always listen in every week to our Wanna Bet show airs Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, guys, look, let's get into it. A lot of college basketball is going to be on the slate for today. Um, the next time we talk, we're going to be talking about the big tournament, right? So the next time we'll, we'll really get into uh, the big tournament. This is conference tournament time, though. And any time that you start to talk about college basketball and you really get into the conversation of college basketball, so many times you have to correct even regular sports fans that start talking about March Madness. And what they mean by when they say March Madness, what they mean by March Madness in their world is actually the brackets, right? Is actually the field of 64s, whatever, 66, whatever there is now. That's what they now um, really equate March Madness to. You see people bringing up... Oh, the March Madness brackets. And you see the conversation of March Madness bracket. Well, the reality is, is that it, March Madness starts during conference tournament time. That's the madness begins. So we will get into that. Um, I'm also going to be joined. I did an interview with Ian O'Connor this week. Ian O'Connor just wrote the book about Coach K this weekend. The last game for Coach K at home. Last game on the floor named after him down there in the Triangle in North Carolina. And they are playing the Tar Heels. How fitting for the last game to be with Duke. Um, I learned this week also with the in respect to the Duke Blue Devils. They asked to please be in a, a certain quadrant, right? Which, which is... It is a fair request. You could be the biggest Duke hater in the world. It is a fair request. They basically asked, you know what, Coach Case from Chicago. Um, that's where we want to place him. Can he be in that Chicago region as opposed to the Philadelphia region? They said not a problem. And it is a reasonable request. It is going to be a good uh, atmosphere for college basketball. Why Why would you put him there? It's actually further away from Duke. It's a further travel right, from North Carolina to Chicago than it is from North Carolina up to Philadelphia. So it actually, you know, doesn't give them an advantage in any way, shape, or form. It was a very good request, but I want to kind of throw that out there. What I do want to start with today, um, and it's funny that, you know, I, I started off mentioning Chicago because what I do want to start with is the Big Ten tournament. You know, you look at some of the conferences around America, and we can get into a lot of the conferences that are playing, some of them that have played. We've already had, you know, some butter, buzzer beaters. We've already had some really interesting plays. Uh, a 12 seed already knocked off a 5 seed. Welcome to March Madness, right? Uh, in the lower conference tournaments. And I, I get it. A lot of people don't care about, you know, the OVC and, and uh, even the Ivy Leagues and things of that nature, those smaller tournaments and the Summit Leagues and the Sun Belt. But all of a sudden, next week, or or you know, in two weeks, you're gonna care. I, I love that people don't care the entire yo Belmont, uh, Winthrop. Uh, I, I don't care about those teams. And then in the first round of the brackets, well, now all of a sudden you're an expert on Winthrop, right? And especially in the sports betting world, you got to keep your head on a swivel. You can't just look at the top 25 teams. You can't look at just the top five conferences, the Big Five, right? You can't look at uh, you know, adding in a, a couple of more, the the you know bigger conference. No, 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 no. You got to look at it all, or else what happens is in a couple of weeks when everybody is filling out their brackets, and in a couple of weeks when everybody is invested into these fifteen seeds, fourteen seeds. How did Winthrop get like a an eleven seed? Right. Um. All of a sudden, you're going to be scrambling to do the research and trying to figure this out, as opposed to following along. So. I'm very cognizant about this week. I always love my lower conferences. I'm a lower conference guy. Probably hurts my ratings, uh, but being a lower conference guy certainly helps my bankroll. So I love this week. 
for the lower conferences. But I do get where the big-time attention is going to be looked after here. I think that, you know, the ACC this year is so down, and we've touched on this in the past. It's a down year. UNC may surprise some teams. Um, The second-best team in that conference is Wake Forest by default. I don't think anybody has Wake Forest winning the ACC tournament. And by the way, you could get 7-1. to I don't think anybody has Wake Forest kind of going on and being a Final Four team. You know, could they do it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, But it's kind of, and maybe North Carolina gets a little groove here and they start to look good. But it's kind of Duke and everyone else in the ACC. Over in the Pac-12, you got a couple of good teams. USC's had a good year. Obviously, they're going to be somewhat of a threat. I think Oregon had a disappointing year. Now, look, a tournament run with Dana on your side, yeah, sure, you're going to probably get like, uh, you know, 40 to 1 or more on them. I get taking the stab. But in the conference tournament, look, that's kind of UCLA and everybody else. Um, Down in the Big 12, you have a little bit of a logjam at the top, and then it falls off quickly. It's Kansas, Baylor, and I don't really see anybody else being competitive. I know that Oklahoma is going to get a lot of love there. I know Texas Tech's getting a lot of love. That Texas defense has been fantastic. You can argue the Big 12 is somewhat competitive, but I still do believe it's going to be Baylor or Kansas kind of coming out of that one. But there are some here, and I'm specifically looking at the Big East and the Big 10. That is just absolutely stacked. Absolutely stacked. And I want to kind of get into them because, look, I understand from a sports betting perspective while I want you guys to just go out there and start making money on Winthrop and Baylor and Belmont and, and whatnot, I do understand a lot of the public and a lot of the people that are listening to this are going to go for the big names. And where are the, all the big names? Well, a lot of the big names are in the Big Ten, even more than the Big East, which I think is very competitive as well. I, I think that a lot of the names that people are going to be betting on are going to be in the Big Ten play. By the way, I didn't forget about the SEC. I think that's very competitive as well. We'll get into that. So... Let's break down the spreads here, the the the, the odds for it. Um, yeah, at the bottom, you have Minnesota and Nebraska, 50-1. to 1. This is to win the conference tournament. I'm not worried about it, right? Uh, or or 500-1, to 1, I should say. Maryland, 250. Uh, Penn State, plus 180. Northwestern, plus 100. And you get down to Rutgers, 30-1. to 1. Michigan State, 25-1. to 1. Indiana, 25-1. to 1. Michigan, 16-1. to 1. Ohio State, 11-1. to 1. Wisconsin, 8-1. to 1. Iowa just under five to one. They're between four and a half to one to five to one, depending on where you're shopping. Illinois three to one, and Purdue is two to one. So as you can see, where we compare to, uh, for example, the ACC, and you have Duke is basically even money. You can get a little plus money back, but basically even money. The next closest team is six and a half to one, depending on where you shop. Maybe seven to one. This is Purdue's two to one. Illinois is three to one. Iowa's four and a half to one or so. Wisconsin at eight to one. Ohio State uh, might be a good stab at 11 to one. Michigan 16 to one. You got, you know, half the league is 25 to one or less to win this conference. And I don't think it would be crazy to sit back. Look, the Minnesotas, Nebraska's, Maryland, Penn State, Northwestern, throw them out the window. I don't think, and that and that's it, by the way. I'm throwing those five out the window. It's not a stretch to think that Rutgers could go on a run. We've watched it happen before. We watched it happen last year. Not a stretch. Rutgers look pretty good. You know, they beat Indiana on Wednesday. That was pretty good. Uh, they only have one game left uh, against uh, Penn State, which they should handle without a problem. And you start to look at this Rutgers team, and you go, wait a minute. Rutgers has wins over Iowa. Rutgers have wins over Ohio State. Rutgers has wins over Michigan State. Rutgers has a win over Michigan um, that is interesting, right? So Rutgers, by the way, split with Michigan. So, uh, you know, there's a win there, but th- they have that win, you know, in their column. You're starting to kind of look at this and you're saying Rutgers could make a run here. It's not likely that they make a run, but they certainly could. If you wanted to argue in this tournament that Rutgers at 30 to one has a chance to win it all, can't really talk you off of it. Because I think they could win a game or two. Maybe get to that finals and you could hedge. Now, if you want to talk about the big tournament, look, I I don't think it's crazy to think that Rutgers could get a Sweet 16 bid. I don't. Michigan State, I'll say all the same things about that. And you guys know I've been a little bit critical of Tom Izzo throughout his career. I, I look at Tom Izzo as a guy that I, I don't put him, you know, 
depending on where you put him in kind of the, the lexicon of where you put him in coaching, I don't put Tom Izzo as the elite of the elite. Is he one of the top 10 best coaches right now? Sure, but should he be mentioned with guys like Coach K? No. Um, so I, I've been critical of him, and I still look at this Michigan State team, and I say, yeah, they're dangerous, 25-1. to 1. I don't think they do it in Big Ten play. Um, they've been – their defense has been a concern of mine. Uh, Michigan State is a team that you look at and you can see them struggling, but they are a very well-coached team. They are a team that can be scary – could I say Michigan State can make a sweet, a sweet 16 run? Yes. Now, Indiana, I think, is a little overvalued at 25-1. to 1. Every single year, it seems like Indiana has to kind of push. They're a bubble team. Um, they should have won games. Look, they, you got to win that game. I, as much as I just spoke very highly of Rutgers, you've got to win that game on your home floor. I, I mean, you just have to win that game on your home floor. You cannot go in there and, and sit back and, and struggle against a Rutgers team. And take me serious, you know, me take you serious for a deep run. So I think Indiana's a little overvalued here at 25 to 1. People might throw something on them because of name recognition. And then into the deep tournament, Indiana, look, if they squeak in, and it's still an if, if they squeak in, they seem like a one and done to me. You know, Indiana's a team that, you know, you're not going to get a great seed, but they're not going to put Indiana as a 16, right? So maybe they match up with a team that, is kind of flying under the radar. Maybe one of these mid-majors, right? Maybe they, they match up with a mid-major and they get knocked out in the first round with a little bit of betting value. I'm going to be watching that. Michigan, 16-1. to 1. I don't know what's wrong with Michigan. I really don't. I haven't known what's wrong with Michigan all year long. Michigan is a team I expected to do much better. I was down on... I, go back and check out my previews, right? Uh, uh, before the year, I was down on Michigan, but never this down. I mean, Michigan is a team that I cannot overlook their talent. I can't look at that team and go, wow, you know, I, I I can't put anything past them. But I think they're overvalued at 16 to 1. I, and I'll tell you in comparison, I would rather have a Rutgers ticket to win the big, uh, the big 10 in my pocket, a Michigan State ticket to win it in my pocket. And I would rather have that than a Michigan ticket at 16 to 1. And oh, by the way, you're getting, you know, almost double the value on a Rutgers team. So I'm not going anywhere near Michigan. But could I see them, their talent getting red hot in the big tournament? You know, in the big bracket, can they can they be a Sweet 16 team? I can envision it because I see the talent. Ohio State 11-1 is one of these teams that just continues to just get overlooked. I have never been an Ohio State or a Wisconsin basketball fan. I don't like the style of basketball. And it's not that I don't like the defense, okay, because I am a defensive guy. I just don't like their style of basketball. So I'm always a little down on Ohio State and Wisconsin, the style that they play. By the way, Wisconsin's 8-1, to Ohio State's 11-1. to So I'll talk about these two in, in both in the same vein. I think it's hard to get behind them because of the style they run. I think it's hard to get behind them when you do see, when they have an off night, I mean, it, it is just hard to watch. They cannot score. They don't have that outside shot. They don't have that guy to go to. But both Ohio State and Wisconsin this year are a little bit different. They have that little different vibe, specifically Ohio State. And I'd rather have an Ohio State ticket than a Wisconsin ticket right now, oddly enough. And maybe it's because of, of the newness. Well, Wisconsin, um, they just beat Nebraska, okay? A, a terrible, terrible Nebraska team. Um, but, you know, they beat them in, in not the biggest fashion that I guess I wanted to see. But Wisconsin does come in, and basically when we're recording today— uh, last five games, no team hit 70 points. And that's what they do. I mean, that you know, that is exactly what they do. They are a team that shuts defenses, teams down defensively. Wisconsin it can win this thing. Ohio State can win this thing. And both, forget about Sweet 16. You want to talk about the big tournament. I know everybody's minds are on them, even though we're talking about this, because I think Ohio State and Wisconsin can both win the Big Ten tournament. Absolutely. An 8-1 to one odds, 11-1 to one odds. Pretty good odds there. Both of them can certainly win this. But when I'm talking about the big brackets, I'm talking about the field of 68, and I'm talking about you know what we're looking at in a couple of weeks from now. When we start, you know, about what uh, we got about yeah, just a, a, almost exactly two weeks from today. When we start talking about that, can I start talking about Wisconsin, Ohio State winning the entire thing? Mm, I'll stop short of that. But an elite eight run, sure. Could I get one of these two in the Final Four? You know, defense plays, man. Defense absolutely plays. 
I can see that. I could start talking about that, and there's tremendous value on that. And then you get to the big three. I thought Iowa was just going to kind of take a backseat this year. I thought Iowa was going to lose too much. I believe that Iowa was just going to be that team that you couldn't really count on. I thought that Iowa was going to just be a defensive liability, which they kind of are. But you got to give uh, McCaffrey all the credit in the world. He has put together a product. Now, I don't like them plus 450. The, the I, I don't see them competing throughout and just continuing to move on like the, like this. 450 is a little bit much for me. I would rather have a Wisconsin ticket over them, okay? But you can't discount what Iowa is. When they are on, there's no team, maybe in the country, that can score with them. And if you could get teams to kind of buy into your type of basketball, the running, the gunning, the scoring, and, and look, we're putting up 90 tonight. Can you put up 95 sort of mentality? Yeah, they could win some games. I just don't think they're going to have enough here to make that Big Ten push. So it's not really the big three to me. It is the big two. Purdue it just about two to one, who I picked before the year to win this uh, this conference. I picked them before the year to go to the Final Four. I told you I think that they have a chance to win the championship, and at the value that they had, it was worth throwing some bucks on. I know that I did. And then Illinois, another team I've talked up and hyped up many, many times this year. Here's the problem. You cannot take Purdue or Illinois to win this because the value is just not there. Two to one odds on a Purdue team that I like very much, but they've had stumbles along the way. And against this kind of field, this field where you're looking at the Michigan States, the Rutgers, that you're not going to get in a championship game. You're not going to get in the finals. You're going to get in a semifinal game. You might not even, you might get them in the quarterfinal. I mean, that is the problem with the Purdue or the Illinois, right? Now, Illinois, you feel a little bit more comfortable because they've been there sort of mentality. You feel that way. But it's a different team. It's a new kind of situation. And don't tell me Illinois hasn't struggled this year, which is kind of a concern. Now, um, has Illinois, you know, come back and, and played better? Yeah, sure. Of course they have. And the one element that I do love in the postseason, and I do say this all the time, so I have to be very consistent here. I love, you know, that guy is what I called him, right? This is why I crushed with Oral Roberts last year uh, with Amos. I, I love that guy. Right. When when all is said and done, when everything kind of comes to a, a standstill, you know, do you have the guy that everyone's afraid of? And yeah, Illinois has that. Right. I mean, Illinois has, has a couple of those guys, but they have that. Now, I didn't like um, their style of loss to Ohio State, a team that, yeah, you know, they're they might be better than you or they're on the same level as you, but you lost at home. I don't like that. I don't like getting crushed at the rack, uh, you know, against Rutgers. They got crushed on the road against Purdue. We're not talking about losses here, guys. I mean, they got absolutely crushed against Purdue. And you look at their road tilts. Okay, you beat a Michigan team. All right, Michigan's kind of down. You, you beat a Michigan State team. Eh, you beat them by five. You struggled kind of down. You lost to Rutgers. Lost to Purdue. I think they have a hard time on the road. Lost to Maryland on the road. So I don't love Illinois for that reason. You could make a viable conversation that, listen, this team could win it all this year. I... Absolutely, they certainly can. But at 3-1 to one odds, I'm just not getting enough. And let's go to my babies. And I call them my babies because I predicted them. I'm holding a ticket that not only do they win this tournament, but they win it all. My babies have struggled recently as well, right? You, They lost on the road to Michigan State, three-point loss. On the road to Wisconsin, three-point loss. Close losses. So you could say, hey, basket here, basket there, and, and they're rolling. Um, but that's a concern. Because those are two losses close on the road. They had a close win against Northwestern. Before that, they got destroyed by Michigan on the road. So a lot of the same kind of road worries. They already lost to Indiana on the road. Road worries. And I don't like a team that at the end of the year is sitting back and at the end of the year making that kind of push, losing close games. Okay? Now, look, Saturday afternoon, they take on Indiana. They're at home. They, they can win that game 100-50, to 50, and it's not going to change my perception of it. I expect them to do well. I expect them to win that game. I expect them uh, to kind of right the ship. But does that really right the ship? Now, if they lose that game, oh, man, uh, hold on. You know, you the ship has hit the fan, if you want to say it like that, right? Um, but I don't like three-point losses to good teams on the road. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It shows a character kind of situation, especially late in the season here as we're moving on. So 
that is is kind of my Big Ten assessment. I wanted to break it down because I think it is the most intriguing conference out there. The SEC, look, it looks very good, okay? I think anybody can win from there. I think the SEC is the best conference top to bottom right now. Um, but I don't see a lot of people you know, kind of loading up on the SEC because they know how good it is. I think the Big East can be had. We talked about the Big East last week, so I don't want to go into that again because we did talk about it. But I did want to go into the Big Ten and spend some time um, not only because uh, of Purdue, but because of how it's finishing off. Purdue looking bad. Illinois can't travel. I don't have faith in Iowa. This opens it up for a sports better to big-time numbers. And, and maybe Rutgers is a team to take a shot at. Maybe you're partial to Ohio State at 11-1. I can't talk you away from Wisconsin to 8-1. Eight, eight to one. I don't think I'm touching anything. But I definitely would advise, hey, look, you know, if you're going to get into the Big Ten, Try to overlook the big three teams just because of the value there. And this could be one of those years where one of the smaller teams, one of, one of the bigger odds teams, shouldn't say smaller, top 25 teams, one of the bigger odds teams, 8-1, to 11-1, to 25-1, to 30-1, one of them can certainly cash. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we get back, we're going to do a little Coach K conversation. All that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Told you we're going to bring on Ian O'Connor here in a moment. What are the odds to win the ACC championship? Now, look, this has moved and, and jumped around a little bit here and there. Uh, so I want to give you the updated odds. We'll start at the bottom. Boston College, Pittsburgh, uh, yeah, about... Eh, about 2,000 to 1, okay? Uh, Georgia Tech, uh, you know, 130. Uh, it, it, astronomical. North Carolina State, uh, plus uh, 12,000. Clemson, plus 9,000. Louisville, plus 9,000. You know, 90 to 1 odds is what we're looking at. Florida State, Syracuse, 50 to 1 odds. I'll tell you what. You know, if, if Florida State was healthy, 50 to 1 might not be the worst bet in the world. I'm not saying it's a great bet. I don't like any of these teams, right? Even in, in a down ACC Virginia at, you know, you look at it, Virginia, 17 to 1 odds. Here's the big jump up, right? So, um, you know, you go from 50 to 1 Syracuse and Florida State to 17 to 1. Now, these, these are players, right? I mean, now these are teams that can can actually make some noise. Virginia at 17 to 1 odds. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, Miami at 12 to 1. I've seen Miami at their best, and I've seen Miami at their worst this year, and I, I just think that there's a lot more worses. Same thing with Virginia. I like Virginia a lot. I like Virginia because of their coaching. I like Virginia with what they can do, how they can kind of accomplish it. Uh, I just don't think this year. Virginia Tech, 11-1. to 1. Actually, Virginia Tech having better odds than Virginia will get a lot of people's eyes open up, but don't discount what Virginia Tech has done this year, which is pretty impressive. North Carolina, like I said, they're up and coming. North Carolina, I have seen this line be as randomly different as anything else. The line that I'm looking at right here, and this is from FanDuel Sportsbook right now. You can get, uh, you know, plus a thousand, right? Put down a hundred bucks, you get a thousand dollars back. I've seen them as high as plus six fifty at sportsbooks. So if you do like UNC, my advice to you is certainly shop around. Notre Dame nine to one. Notre Dame is making a huge push. This offense is fantastic. Notre Dame's late season push has really got become eye opening. Wake Forest is also at nine to one. I've seen them as high as seven to one. And then Duke, minus 130 at this one. I've seen them about even money. That is, what are the odds? You know, look, I I, I think, um, you know, I, I think we all know it's Duke and everybody else this year. I think we're all very well aware that the ACC is down. But it is interesting to see some of these giant numbers. And that's what you're looking at. I mean, these are some giant numbers. This is Coach K's final game, and it's his final game at home against North Carolina, the biggest rivalry in college basketball history. But what adds to it in the big realm of things here for us, and especially for me, is that Duke has a legitimate shot at the national championship this year. This past weekend that we just had, the top six teams, one, two, three, four, five, and six, all went down. And the number seven team was Duke, who got a 25-point win on the road in Syracuse. Now, I know that the ACC is a down league this year. It's still an impressive win. So you start to ask yourself about Duke, and, and you start to see values. Look, I don't love the value on Duke. 
overall to win the championship. I wouldn't talk to you. Are you down from it? You know, I just think that this is one of those years where it's absolutely wild. I think this is one of those years where we're going to see complete turmoil. And Duke is certainly able to uh, overcome that turmoil in some spots. But I also think that they're not a great bet for that. If you really want to get into where I see you can make some money on Duke, first of all, I think Saturday's line is going to be probably elevated. I still can't see a way that Duke loses that game. Uh, Do they cover, you know, a double-digit line or something like that? I don't know. UNC's been playing really well. They've been playing really well. They've been playing close. I think that you probably have to take Duke with the emotion and the Cameron crazies and everything that's going on. But what I do like about Duke this year, if you're looking for something, if you're looking for some reason to take them, well, how about the ACC championship? All of the championship odds came out, Circus Sports put it out, and Duke, depending on where you're looking, minus 125, minus 110, I've seen it as far as to win the ACC championship, the conference championship tournament. And plus 700 is Wake Forest behind them, and plus about 750 is the UNC behind them. So it's a giant disparity. Look, You can talk to me about value and how you're not getting value. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to tell you, but Duke is the best team in the ACC and a down ACC. So I wanted to talk about Duke, kind of give you guys a bet where I'm looking. I think that Duke does win that. And I think that Duke gets a number one overall seed. I think eventually they they get that number one overall seed. Do they win it all? I'm not sure, but I think it's a tremendous story that it is Coach K's last season as you see the elevation. So what I did was I called my buddy, uh, Ian O'Connor, who has been on the show many times before. He just wrote a brand new book. All right, let's take a listen to that interview. All right, guys, welcome back. Tom Barton here, and we are going to bring on our special guest. We've had him on the show before, and and always a fantastic spot that he has. A New York Post sports columnist, author of three New York Times bestsellers, and now his new book comes out, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. And and it's funny because it's so funny. Nobody calls him the full name anymore they just don't i don't know if they ever did it's always just coach k and the book has just coach k uh in the beautiful duke lettering on top you gotta welcome aboard ian o'connor ian how you doing today hey tom how are you i'm doing fantastic it, it, you know it is kind of funny that nobody nobody says his name and it's not really necessarily that hard to say it's just really hard to spell but nobody says his name he's just coach k there are just some guys that you know that just kind of just become that i mean we're not talking like prince one name but it is just Coach K because so many people think it's just hard to say where it's really just hard to spell. I mean, <laughs> that's the funny thing. That's why I love your book with just Coach K right across the top. Well, thanks. And uh, his first press conference at Duke in 1980, he spelled his name for reporters in that in that presser. And it's, it's amazing that all these years later, the court is named after him after you have to spell his name at the start. And yeah, Coach K is a whole lot easier, I guess, than trying to figure that out and Krzyzewski is not that hard to pronounce and particularly after 42 years at Duke of being the overlord if you will of the, of the best uh, college program in America for the most part for the better part of what three decades or so I, I think that he's a guy now who's globally recognizable and I don't know if college sports will ever be the same without him his last game obviously this Saturday uh, at Duke against North Carolina and college basketball in particular is so transient now. There's so much change and chaos. The transfer portal, you you basically have free agency now in college basketball. And I don't know if we'll ever see somebody stay at one university ever again as long as he has. And it's been an amazing run without question. Yeah, absolutely. Never jumped ship, um, never looked anywhere else. And that's easy to say now with what the Duke program is now. But think about what it once was and, you know, his loyalty and the, the way that he's gone about things. Just unbelievable. Talk to me about the book. You know, did you automatically say, OK, Coach Gage retiring. I, I got to write this book about him. Or was this something that you wanted to do for years in advance and kind of just kind of bubbled to the surface? Perfect timing. Well, I started working on this more than two years ago. So I knew he was nearing the end of his career because of his age. But I didn't know when he would retire. So we caught a little bit of a lucky break that he decided to coach, uh, not just stop when he announced it, but coach one last season, coinciding with the release of my book last week. So I got a little bit of a lucky bounce on that one. But listen, really the first seed of this book, I have to say, was 30 years ago. I was there in the Philadelphia Spectrum for probably the greatest shot in the history of college basketball. Christian Leitner shot to beat Kentucky in the final eight, the Elite Eight. And and so I remember as soon as that shot went in, I was sitting courtside and looking at Krzyzewski, and he had a white towel in his hand, and he spiked it like a football in the end zone. And afterward, I asked him, 
What did he say to his team? And this is in the press conference. What did he say to his team in the final huddle? 2.1 seconds left. They had to go the full length of the court down one in overtime. He said, we're going to win the game. We will win this game. And his players were already thinking about vacation, going to the beach, playing golf. They thought it was over. They thought they had lost. And Grant Hill made the perfect pass to Leitner, who made the perfect shot, strangely enough. Leitner was 10 for 10 from the floor in that game, 10 for 10 from the line, and one for one from three-point range. So it took the perfect player to win the perfect game. And so that was probably the first night I thought, I'm pretty fascinated by this guy in this and it only took me 30 years to finally get around to, to writing the book. But hopefully I, I pulled off the definitive account of, of really what has been a great American life. Now, I used to live in the Triangle. And we're on the phone with uh, Ian O'Connor. I used to live in the Triangle down there in North Carolina for uh, about four years. And you do get interesting conversations. And one of the ones that I've talked to many, many Duke fans about and even the Duke media down there was – that is the iconic moment, the iconic team. But Coach K, what they love about Coach K is he doesn't always win with the best teams. You know, you ask people that about their best teams. They sometimes don't name championship teams. I think this year has a lot of that going on. It's a very good team. And you know what? I could argue, and I just talked about it in the last segment, they may be the best team in the country, but I don't think it would be considered one of Coach K's best teams. But it seems like the Duke fan base love that. They love that he takes a team that's good, not great, and wins with that kind of group. Do you see the same feel this year? I think, uh, well, I, I, as soon as you started talking about that, Tom, I, I flashed back to the 2010 team with John Shire, who's the next head coach, of course. He was on that team. That was not Brian Zubek. That was not an overly talented team. He won the national title with it. It might have been his best job or certainly one of his best jobs. And, and arguably his most talented team in 99, a team that almost went 39-0, and lost to UConn in the final. That was an incredibly talented team. And so you never know with these things. And I, looking at the Blue Devils this year, I thought they were great early. I was there in Madison Square Garden opening night. They beat Kentucky, watched them on TV, beat Gonzaga. And I thought this is a national championship-type team. Then they hit COVID. They were out for two weeks. And I don't think they've been the same ever since. Now, you know, last night they, they beat Syracuse by 25 on the road. They've been good lately. I think it's a very good team that's not great. And if Palo, Palo Bancaro is the key, he has to be aggressive more often than he has been for most of the season. He is he's going to be a top NBA draft pick, no question. He's got an awful lot of ability. But there are periods of the game where he sometimes just disappears. So he needs to impose his will on the entire game through the NCAA tournament. If he does that, they have a chance to win the whole thing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right there. And, you know, like I said, six teams lost the first time ever. One, two, three, four, five, and six lost this, this Saturday. And right. seven team in the country won by 25 on the road. <laughs> you know? Um, That's pretty and, good. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that Duke is a product this year of a down ACC my entire career, it's been the ACC's dominating. They're amazing. And now you look at it and you go, eh, you know, Florida State's down. Virginia's down. Uh, Miami's down. Virginia Tech's down. UNC is down. Is it, are they a product of just a weaker ACC than we're used to? A little bit, Tom. And Syracuse is also down. And so last night, yeah, great win, 25 points on the road. But, but that's not a typical Syracuse team. So it's going to be interesting to see when they come out of the ACC tournament and, and go into the NCAA, how they respond. I, I do think they're good enough to win the whole thing. They have an awful lot of talent. It's very young talent. And, you know, if they run into the wrong veteran team, you look at a team, I don't know, some of these older teams, Gonzaga, you look at, although they beat Gonzaga, but it, it, it's, a, it's a different season now. You look at a Providence, a very old, experienced team, and sometimes that matters in the NCAA tournament. So, so Duke's, Duke's got the ability to do it. You wish they had a little more experience. But the emotion of playing for Coach K in his final season, remember, John Wooden's UCLA team, his last one, they won the national title for him. They didn't play the whole season knowing it was his last year, if I remember correctly. Wooden didn't announce that until the Final Four. But they won it for him, and I think that could be a very powerful force in Duke's favor. Those players are not going, going to want to send him out on a, on a loss in a sudden death game in March. So it's possible that emotion could carry Coach K to ring number six. We're on the phone with Ian O'Connor. Go check out his new book, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of, I'm just going to say Coach K. 
Because <laughs> I know everybody it. wants it. Even though you can't, I, I love it in, in Duke, they go, you can't have a, a W without putting the W in Coach K's name, right? I mean, it, that, that's the win. What is the final word? Uh, you know, how is how is history going to look at Coach K? Is it just simply a great winner? Is it the best basketball coach of all time? Uh, what are we going to look back in 10, 15, 20 years and talk about Coach K? Some people would certainly put John Wooden ahead of him, 10 national championships to five. But I'd argue that and say Coach K has won 531 more games than John Wooden. That's a lot of extra wins. And durability matters to me when you measure legacies. And I think Coach K did it in a much more difficult era to be dominant. There's more parity, much more parity in college basketball now. John Wooden had a monopoly on high school talent. And so I, w- I would say Krzyzewski won Wooden 1A. A lot of people would argue that point. And I think he was a, a great leader, a great motivator, a great source of inspiration for his young athletes. I, I, he wasn't the greatest strategist ever, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But just a guy who was put on this planet to lead young people and to win basketball games, and that's exactly what he did. And that's why he won nearly 1,200 of them so far and uh, possibly a sixth national title to come. But, yeah, I, I think – Greatest winner in the history of college basketball. That's a hell of a legacy, and I think that's exactly what it is for him. Absolutely. Great great way to end it off. Thank you so much for all your time. That's Ian O'Connor. Go check out his new book, Coach K. And I have to tell you guys, I've always leaned, you know, the UNC side. I've always leaned the Tar Heel side. I can't call myself a full Tar Heel fan. I've always leaned that side. But there's always something about Coach K that made me respect him, the way that he handled things. I know he could be a villain and everything else. They want to, people want to say, look, the guy just wins. And that, that's what I'm looking at with this year. And we start to look at this team. And I love the fact that Ian brought that up, that the emotion of winning for Coach K in his final year. This game coming up against UNC at home, I mean, I don't think that, that North Carolina is going to have a prayer. I mean, I really don't. I think that this is one of those already written kind of games. And you're starting to get into the NCAA tournament. And I wonder how, uh, you know, people are going to start to look at this Duke team because they've been a little underrated this year. They've had their bumps. Maybe they're a product of the ACC. I think one of the things that we really have to do is kind of see how they play out in the ACC tournament. I think they're going to play very well. I think that this is a very potential Final Four team. That's what we're looking at. But that's all into the future, guys. So let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the the future. future. Let's bet to the future. I brought up the SEC, and I told you I think it is maybe the best conference in America. Well, we'll start at the bottom and give you the SEC basketball odds to win the conference tournament. Uh, Georgia, Missouri sitting there at uh, plus about 30,000. Ole Miss, 250,000. I I mean, it's just, look, these are astronomical numbers depending on where you shop. I want to make you understand that they're just gigantic. Uh, You're looking at at teams like South Carolina and Vanderbilt. They're depending on, again, where you're shopping, 10,000 to one. Texas A&M, uh, you know, plus six, uh, 6,600. Oh, I mean, look, you're getting big-time numbers. Mississippi State. And then you get into uh, 33. And Florida gets down to 20 to 1. Alabama, 12 to 1. LSU, 10 to 1. Arkansas is 6 to 1. Tennessee, plus 375. Auburn, plus 275. Kentucky, plus 190. And that is all of the bet to the future for the SEC. But it's not all of what I want to talk about in the SEC because – I do think that the SEC, 14 teams participate in the tournament, right? Top 10 teams receive a bye, so we, we, we already know. Look, and that's kind of why I breezed over the bottom four teams, which it really should be the bottom five because Vanderbilt should be included into that. But this is the league where if you wanted to tell me that all four final four teams in, the, in America are going to come from the SEC, I think that it's that strong of a league. Now, and it's not going to happen, okay? But I think that that's the way that we're looking at it. Now, in the past, there were years where I touted uh, the ACC as just the most dominant on the block. My argument for the ACC year after year and why I always made money on the Syracuse runs and and the under the radar wasn't even just the big boys was there is something to be said about going through a gauntlet schedule day in, day out, night in, night out, on the road, big crowds, dominating teams. And I think it gives you character. And I've said that about the ACC for years and years. And I mean, you know, doing this business 20 years, probably 15 of them, I used to speak about that for the ACC. 
Now, I've also used that philosophy. You guys do know that I'm sitting here. I have, I've hit Villanova before the year to win twice. Villanova, two years, bam, bam, both years. I had UConn 55-1, to 1, which kind of put me on the map for Futures Plays. So, you know, I'm sitting back, and I'm in a, a position where I've talked of the Big East for the same exact reasons. I think if you go through a gauntlet schedule, maybe your maybe your top number of that that wins isn't always the brightest, but everything else kind of gets you used to going through what the March Madness tournament becomes. You know, it's a a tough tournament to get through, and this is why we don't have upsets. This is why we don't have Cinderella teams. Because it's the grind every night. Here we go, back and forth and pop. Well, the big teams here are used to that. Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, all have a chance to win a national championship. LSU, Alabama, Florida, even Mississippi State all have elite eight. Even Texas A&M have elite eight, sweet 16 upside. All of them. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Missouri, and Georgia probably not going to make the tournament. So, but, But I think... When you're looking at bids, Kentucky's Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Alabama are in. Florida get in as a seven? I think so. Mississippi get in? Are, 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 the, are they the eight? Does Texas A&M become the nine? This is what we used to talk about with the ACC. We used to talk about, you know, do you give that that eight, nine, how many times, how many you know teams do you let in? I think you almost have to in a lot of these ways. So let's talk about the teams. I'm not going to talk about the, the teams on the bottom. But I did want to mention, like, a Texas A&M. Now, I, I am not crazy into Texas A&M, okay? Um, they are 500 in the conference or a game under 500 in, in conference. But they're a 19-win team. You can't take that away from them. When you start to look at what exactly they are, though, well, do I believe that Texas A&M can win this? I don't. Look, they went through a span here where they lost eight games in a row. Now, they've corrected things since then. They beat Florida, uh, and then they came back and lost to Vanderbilt. All right, that's the kind of team that it is. They beat Georgia and Ole Miss, and people kind of jumped all over. Oh, oh here they are. Here they are again. Nah, look, Georgia and Ole Miss are, are the bottom of the barrel. But they went to Alabama, and they didn't beat Alabama. They got a 16-point win against Alabama where they dumped in 87 points. This offense has the explosiveness to be scary. I don't like them, even at the current odds where they're at. You know, you can't get me uh, to get in on, on Texas A&M. I think that when you're looking at odds, you, you have to believe that they could go, go far. Can they win a game? Sure. Mississippi State, sort of the same thing for me. Mississippi State is a team that is, again, game under 500. They only have 17 wins, but they, they didn't go through that eight-game losing streak, right? So they didn't have that big-time losing streak. But they're not closing the year off in fantastic fashion here, okay? They've lost six of the last nine games, with two of those wins being against Missouri, the other one against Vanderbilt. I'm not putting a dime on Mississippi State. I actually, you know, I think that they're, with their current value at 33-1 to 1 odds, I, I think that's overrated. And I think the same thing about Florida. You know, every year I'm seemingly like a Florida hater and people, you know, that know me, oh, it's because your wife went to Florida State. No, it's not. Just because I think that Florida gets a lot of love that they don't necessarily deserve. You know, you look at Florida and there is some upside here and people know the Florida name and all that. Yeah, sure. Well, they're 500 over the last six games. Okay. Losing on the road to to Kentucky, losing on the road to that Texas A&M school. Look, you lost to Arkansas. They're good losses, but their wins... They have a huge win against Auburn, but that changes everyone's perception because their other two wins are against Georgia and Vanderbilt. And against Vanderbilt, they barely won. You can't take Florida serious, not in this situation, not to go out there and, and you know, 20 to 1 odds. I, I understand people are going to bite on that, but not in this kind of stack conference. Alabama's a different animal, though. Alabama at 12 to 1 odds. All of a sudden, I'm looking at Alabama, and I'm going, when they're hot, man, they are hot, right? This has been one of those topsy-turvy years for Alabama. They have wins over Gonzaga. They have wins over Baylor. They have wins over Arkansas. They have wins over Houston. They also have a loss to Georgia, Missouri. I mean, that's that's not good, right? They have the 12th-ranked offensive efficiency in the league, okay? So they can score with anybody. But a lot like a lot of this league, a lot of this conference, you can score— they can't stop anybody. They're close to 100 on the defensive side. That's not good. But you do have 12-1 to 1 odds. They are 
sitting there with some big-time wins, maybe they're just that team that sort of elevates themselves. Maybe they're that team that just, uh, you know, you sit back and you go, they're big-time players. I like them more at the crazy odds that you're going to get for the field of 64 than I do in the SEC here. LSU, 10-1 to odds. All right, LSU is another team that I think a lot of people are looking at and you're going, yeah, maybe that could be it. Um, LSU, the other way. One of the few teams in this conference that you could say, well, they're better defensively than they are offensively. They are a very good defensive team. They actually rank fifth in the nation. Uh, but they're, again, close to 100 you know, on the offensive side. You're not going to be able to score. So I don't like them at the number that we're sitting at either. So now you're getting into the teams that are in single digits. Arkansas 6-1, to Tennessee plus 375, Auburn plus 275, and Kentucky is the favorite at just under 2-1, to plus 190 or so there. So that's who you're looking at. Well, Arkansas is the hottest team in the country. Arkansas is a team, you know, I absolutely think at these odds, you'd be crazy not to take a shot at Arkansas. They are a team that right now, I mean, they have one loss, basically, uh, you know, in the last, what, two-plus months. This is a team that is rocking. They are feeling everything. They have one loss since January 12th, okay? And that loss was at Alabama. No big slight. When you start to look at their big wins, okay, they beat LSU twice, which is nice. One-point win at home last week, early in the season, you know, on the January 15th. They got a seven-point win. Close games. Two-point win against Kentucky, but it's still a win, but it was at home. They did beat Tennessee, again, at home, okay? They went and beat Auburn in overtime, sure, at home. So I start to look at, okay, a lot of big wins, but the home wins. What about the road wins? Florida is a road win, okay? Uh, I just told you I'm down on Florida. Missouri, I'm not giving them any credit there. They lost to Alabama. Georgia, Ole Miss. You got to go back to January 15th to really find an impressive road win outside uh, uh, you know, uh, of of this that we're looking at here outside of Florida, if you want to consider Florida. Now, they have a huge game on Saturday. It is a road game. It's at Tennessee. And these odds will jump huge if they're able to beat Tennessee. I just don't think that they're going to. Looking at the advanced numbers, uh, I, I don't think that they can. Now, like I said, if Arkansas beats Tennessee, I think it's time to buy onto Arkansas. And I'm buying into them now. At 6-1 to one odds, kind of buying into them. In the big tournament, you know what? I'm kind of buying into them. So that's a team to pay attention to. Tennessee, we just talked about. Tennessee is a team that before the year, I thought they were going to be very good. I started to look at the Tennessee balls and go, wow, they, they might be a team that could win it all. I absolutely know Kentucky and Auburn are the number one and two teams. They certainly should be. But at plus 375, you're going, can they get hot? Tennessee, fantastic defensively. Third in the country on defense. They're top 50 in offense. Look, they struggle a little bit in offense, but no, look, you're still top 50. Um, They beat Auburn just a week ago. They beat Kentucky, so they have big wins. They also have beaten Arizona. They have also beaten a defensive team like LSU. They can absolutely go around and go through this. And here's the thing. Gauntlet schedule is something I want to talk about. Gauntlet schedule. Here we go. They are a top 10 toughest schedule in the country. I like everything that Tennessee's doing. At plus 375, if you're going to take a shot in this conference, and much like I said about the Big Ten, I'm not because it's such a tight conference. If you're going to take a shot, Tennessee might be the team. And then we talk about the Big Two, right? And the Big Two, obviously, you have Kentucky at plus 275. Uh, I'm sorry, Kentucky plus 190 and Auburn at plus 275. All right, well, let's talk about that Kentucky team because they are very impressive. We, We understand who they are. They are 24 and 6. They have, you know, just had a phenomenal season one overall. But hold on. They are just three and two over the last five games. They did lose on the road against Tennessee. They did lose on the road against Arkansas. Well, that's sandwiched by a win at home against Ole Miss. Not making a big deal against that. They beat Alabama and LSU at home, sure. Florida at home. They're again another gauntlet team that you go, well, losses at Tennessee, losses at Arkansas, losses at Auburn. They don't see losses at LSU. When they travel, they lose a little bit. I, I'm trying not to make a huge deal at about road losses in a stacked SEC, but if it's consistent road losses, I have to pay attention to that. And at this number, I'm nitpicking why I don't like Kentucky, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like Kentucky, because I'm nitpicking. Same thing goes for Auburn. Auburn, 
by all metrics, are the best team in the country. I mean, I've been saying it for a long time. They are 26-4, and four, same kind of thing. But again, you know, same sort of situation. They are 4-3 and three over the last seven games. They have road losses to Tennessee, road losses to Florida, road losses to Arkansas. Three of the last four games on the road they lost, and their one win was against Mississippi State, who, you know, and then Georgia be even before that, Missouri before that, you know, Ole Miss before that. Where, where, where's your impressive road win? You don't have one. I mean, they literally just flat out do not. They did not go to Kentucky this year and get a win, right? So they didn't go to Kentucky. You could cross that off. They went to Alabama and got a four-point win. That That's months ago. Where is your impressive road win if you're Auburn? And that's me nitpicking, right? I mean, that's me going as far. But if you're the number one team, you're sitting here, you know, at a two-to-one number. You're not getting any value back, right? You're sitting here at a two-to-one number then you got to have everything working perfectly. And they just flat out don't. They don't have everything working perfectly because they cannot, I can't find that big road win. And maybe you're the type that's telling me, you know, it's on its way. Maybe. I just, I can't back this team. Now, when we get to the field of 64, uh, I think I'm going to probably have Auburn, maybe in my top four, Uh, maybe winning it all. I mean, I'm going to have to reevaluate. It's not the long term, but for the SEC tournament, I just don't love the odds. If I'm going to go on anything, I think Tennessee is my team at plus 375. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you again to Ian O'Connor and Coach K. Enjoy this weekend. It's going to be awesome, big time, to make a lot of money. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes.